1: Up, everyone! This is the tie and Bob pod, part of our Blooming Go Long podcast network. So you can probably listen to this wherever you get your podcasts. So it's it's on GoLongTD.com, Apple, Spotify, all over. uh It's it's been a while, Bob. It's good to see you. We've been talking a bunch, uh, but we haven't done a pod since the season ended, I believe. Correct. Uh, when we wrap this, this thing up on, on 2021. So how are you? What's happening? Uh, it's a rainy, uh, rainy morning in
2: Southeast Michigan. I'm glad to be here. And, um, yeah, we haven't done it since the end of the green Bay Packers season.
1: Yeah. I'm trying to remember. So it would have been, you know, they had this calamity, just losing to Jimmy Garoppolo at home, special teams, disaster, another Aaron Rodgers playoff failure. And nobody really knew what his future was. The quarterback at the time, it was really up in the air. Um, I don't think players knew. I, I talked to a few players. Like they had no clue. And lo and behold, he stays. Devonte Adams is traded to Las Vegas. Uh, they go through free agency. They, they add Sammy Watkins. We can touch on that later. And this draft, suddenly became unbelievably important for a team that views itself as a Super Bowl contender right now. Um, they're not in a Chicago Bears state of mind, a Detroit Lions state of mind. I kind of like what the Vikings are doing, to be honest. But, you know, obviously it's it's the Packers and everybody else in the NFC North. And uh, we had to do a podcast, Bob, for many reasons. I think uh, everybody out there would love to learn more about your one-of-one, of one unique, often imitated, never duplicated style when it comes to the NFL draft, the 38th annual Bob McGinn draft series. And to have it at go, go long was um, a pleasure and honor. It was unbelievable. It, it blew me away each part. What, what you and and the horde of scouts get into in your conversations, it's the good, the, good, the bad, and a hell of a lot of ugly on these prospects. Uh, but I think all the readers enjoyed it. We brought on a lot of new readers to join the community. So if you're listening, thank you so much for subscribing. And, you know, we don't often hear how something like that comes together. So, you know, before we get into the Packers, and there's a lot to get into there, obviously, um, let's talk about the draft, Bob. And let's talk about how this series really is put together because, you know, we talk pretty regularly via email, on the phone, all of that, and, I mean, your stories are coming in at about 4 or 5 a.m. some mornings. You're talking to these scouts around the clock. You know, as you see, I think you're just planted at your phone, having these conversations all day, all night. But t- tell them directly from, from you. We don't, we don't hear from you on, on how something this big happens. Um,
2: you know, when it started in 1985, there was no Internet. And there was just a few draftnecks who did this stuff. Uh, Jerry Jones, I believe, in Ohio. Um, uh, there was a Palmer Hughes, I believe that was his name. I can't remember where he was from. And then Joel Buxbaum, who started in about 1979. And he was a, a bachelor who lived in his, his flat in Brooklyn. And he was an all-time guy. So, um, so these guys did great work, you know, as pioneers, especially bomb; He's the best who ever lived, ever did this. He died suddenly of a heart attack in 2002 or three. And, but he was talking to all kinds of people. And then, so then when I started it at the Green Bay Press Gazette in 85, uh, Cliff Crystal had done it for several years before that at the Green Bay Press Gazette. And, um, so then I just took it over in 85 and so now it's just, I've just kept doing it, but now the internet has come up and everybody else has come up, right? There was no ESPN when I started now they're doing it. But I guess the one thing I just want to tell our listeners and our readers is that nobody's ever paid me, you know? Right now, I guess most of this draft information comes from, from people who are employed by organizations that broadcast NFL games, and they are, they are really, at, the, at, at bottom line, they are there to promote the game, to promote the product, to promote the draft. That would be every club website, every ESPN, NFL.com, the league website, and so, everybody, when you listen or read anything they do at, from anybody who is part of an NFL of the NFL product, you're only going to get he struggled. He struggled a little bit when a player when a player has has negatives about him. Every player has a negative. The failure rate in the first round is fifty percent, and it increases every round thereafter. But Anyone who reads those things or listens to those things, they are getting no more than 25% of a player. And that's why people they they say the scouts who are talking to me are negative or I'm negative in presenting them, which is total BS because they are brainwashed from all the other stuff they are reading, which really is positive. I mean, they are not gonna, they're not gonna really. I'm taking people to where they can't go in these NFL draft rooms. I'm an information gatherer. It's not, I'm not, yes, I rate these players, but it's based off my polls on these stories. I'm an information gatherer. I'm presenting the evaluations of professionals, those making these decisions who are unbiased. They're trying to pick the best players. Yeah, they work for clubs, but they're talking to me. We could talk all day about this, Tyler. (laughs) But to me, it's the best because it's not my opinion. I mean, does anybody really care what the guys on TV, what their opinion opinions are? They're not. They've never. They've never been hired by teams. Oh, Daniel Jeremiah has worked for a team six or seven years, no doubt, Baltimore. But the rest haven't. They're not team scouts they've never been trained in that department and I'm sure they talk to people but at bottom line it's coming from them it's out of it's it's their words it's their opinions but I don't care about any of that if I was a listener or a reader I would want to know what the people making the decisions do what they think and that's what I'm bringing them and that's what I've always brought to them hook line and sinker good bad and indifferent. And they don't pull any punches with me. Why why should they? All right, we
1: can talk beyond that. Yeah. Tyler, you want to cut in here now? I I don't want to say a word. This is <laughs> this is phenomenal. I think it's so important because yes, it's so overly sanitized. At some point the the, the pre-draft coverage was basically doused in purel. I mean, it really was to to the upteenth degree. I can even remember early in my lifetime. I'm only 34, but I, I, me and my dad joke every spring we'd grab. Um, I don't know if it was Sporting News. Where did Nolan Naraki uh, write for? Like, and he was pretty critical. He, he talked to a lot of scouts. He
2: replaced. He replaced Joe Buck. that's right. Joe that's dying.
1: right. And he, Nolan is the second best of all time. He he phenomenal. And I, I can remember reading that magazine and. It was strengths, weaknesses, and in that weaknesses section, it it was just raw. It was what the scouts were telling him. This is long before we even met. I mean, I'm 9 and 10. You know, we're at the on vacation on the beach learning about the draft. It was like an annual father-son bonding moment, and I can remember it was almost comical to make you chuckle some of these things the scouts said, but this is how the scouts talk. Like, even with your series, I heard from a couple scouts who were like, Yes, I, I've heard that exact phrasing on the road about these players. I mean, this is this is a direct reflection of how the NFL views these prospects, and I hesitate to even get defensive about it because we, sh- you know, shouldn't have to be defensive, right? We're just explaining it, but I just think that with where society is and everybody's an expert on social media, particularly Twitter, where every, everybody's kind of a mini GM and studying YouTube clips and. Like you said, everything's positive, 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 to pump up the draft in this in this manner that it, it you know, I, I think. I mean, we all look forward to the draft. It's fun. We cover it as such, but it, it, it became just uh, almost. Almost like, uh, you know, what your, your third or fourth grade youth basketball team, you know, goes one and ten, but you, you still have the big pizza party at the end of it and everybody gets a trophy and it's just not reality. It's not. I mean, they did, the scouts didn't like these quarterbacks, right? I mean, look, one was taken 20th overall and nobody's taken to the third round like the NFL. I don't know. Maybe the NFL is dead wrong and one of these guys ends up being really good. But you wrote that, you know, you that they didn't like this. They viewed it as 2013, but if you were to turn on certain television networks, certain radio stations, I mean, one in particular, they went right down those top five quarterbacks and they had a round table and it was like sound bites on each guy and all their analysts and everything. Everything was how much they loved each of these court. There wasn't one negative thing said because like you said, it behooves the league and the networks to pump this thing up, to get people to watch, to say this is the craziest draft they've ever seen. When, hey, I, mean, I mean, we just want to get people reality with this series. And I don't know if there's any more proof that people need to know that you're getting honesty than with you winning yet again, uh, the huddles big top 100 you submit each year. I'll let you explain it a little better, but um each year, you, you know draft analysts, writers, people who cover the drafts, submit who they think the first 100 players will be drafted are, and boom, Bob McGinn again wins it. This is – oh, God, I'm going to butcher. Is it number five? It's since 09. and you've been second a few times, twice. So, And you look at the five-year average. Bob McGinn right at the top, so – there it is, right? I mean, you're getting the uncut analysis of these prospects that I think, and at the end of the day, fans might be upset and think it's a little rough around the edges. But I think the fans, the people who are I mean, I always come back to this theme, like these are the people supporting the NFL and pouring their hard-earned money into the NFL. They deserve honesty. And I think that that's, that's what this series provides.
2: Um, and the only reason I'm able to do well in that contest is because people are leveling with me for all these years. They're telling me the truth. They know they can't control the series. Tyler, I have so much information, probably only 25% of it ever sees the light of day, ever. When I do those McGinn memories and I bring back some stuff that's never been used, that's in my files, sitting there 30, 35 years that didn't make the cutting board during writing the series. They can't control anything. My goal is to get to the consensus of the league. I don't, it's not my opinion. My rankings reflect the vote because I know these guys are legit in giving me the votes. It's all anonymous. They might say something about a player, but they don't know if it's ever going to be used. Um, I mean, those polls rank asking guys to rank the top five the top six and you get 18 17 votes uh 16 at a position average this year was about 17 some years i've had over 20 some years i've had 13 or 14 but whatever that's the closest to any rankings that are valuable and if you go through the way the players come off the board that's the way they're coming off there's hardly any surprises from those those rankings that's the consensus it's not something you read on ESPN, NFL.com, or anywhere else. That's those guys' opinion after talking to some people. But still, they want to be stars in their, whether it's on TV or wherever it is, they kind of want to be stars and celebrities. I don't want any of that. I'm just trying to give the readers who have been with me for years the consensus. And it, it blows all the other stuff out of the water. How, how could it not? I'm just presenting the honest opinions of these guys. Yeah, some might want to or a little bit, but but what's the point? Why would – I mean, I could see right through that anyway. I'm hearing the voices. I'm hearing the inflection. I know these guys. And I know enough about these players to know if they're total bullshit. Me and nobody ever does that. Well, It's complete garbage. I mean, why would they?
1: <laughs> well, let this me is, cut in there, Bob, because that's – I mean, to – That'd be the devil's advocate pushback, right? Well, all these scouts, these teams they um, it, it incentivizes them. It behooves them. They—they they should be fibbing. They should be pushing um, a player up a board, down a board in the court of public opinion because they want that player, or they don't like that player. They—they're trying to kind of massage uh, groupthink. You know, there's a lot of a lot of group thinking out there in the draft. And I know the answer to this, and you kind of just answered it yourself. But what do you say to that criticism that oh, you can't you can't trust any of these anonymous sources because they, well, they they've, they've got a bias?
2: I talked to so many people that they can't control the vote. So if they want some player in, at pick number eight, and they're going to not vote for him in the top five, well, that a ridiculous non-vote like that. Which and I obviously. I might even mention that to him. I mean, it's a lot of people I know and I'll say, come on. (laughs) The last time it was a ridiculous vote turned in would have been, I don't know, more than 10 years ago. I mean, it's just, it just doesn't happen. And there are a few guys who get votes, one or two votes or three votes that are kind of strange, but I'll tell you what, the draft is strange. And even when a good scout, put somebody fifth that maybe I think's an outlier, who am I to challenge that? Who am I to think askance of that? These people know a hundred times more about it than I do. And every reader and listener and every guy on TV. Hey, sometimes these players come out of the woodwork. We know what happens, Tyler. Um,
1: and you're not picking up guys- strangers off the sidewalk and asking them, you know, these, these are people, you know, These are relationships that have been built. Yes, You can call the bullshit from a mile away. Think about any friend, any acquaintance, anybody, anybody knows in their life when they're bullshitting and they're lying, you know, you know, the tells, you know, the words they use, you know, the inflection. And it's just, that's the thing. Like you, nobody, this is me talking. I know you don't want the smoke blowing up your ass, but no, no reporter in my opinion, (laughs) is talking to more people in the know around the NFL than you bob and you can smell bs from a mile away so some of the guys on tv probably are talking to a lot of people but in the end they're
2: not presenting what those people tell them they're presenting what what they believe after talking to people i'm presenting verbatim interviews of what the guys said you're getting the you're getting the uncut version man you're not getting my ratings. You're not getting my, my opinion in these uh, in these draft stories. You're getting what these people say. I don't yeah. care what anybody else, and I'm not reading anything or, or doing anything, looking at any of the TV stuff. Yeah, I'm watching the Senior Bowl practices, I'm taping all that. Yes, I'm watching the Senior Bowl game. Yes, I'm watching all the combine workouts. Yeah, I have the audio on. But other than that, that's the only time I hear those guys all year. I never turn on ESPN during the week or – yeah, I watch games and I hear announcers, but before the draft, it's the last thing I would do is read anything, you know, watch TV on any of this stuff. I don't want to be influenced. I want the series just to reflect the professionals, the, the people who are making these decisions and are out on making these school calls all fall long.
1: <laughs> Can I, uh, and if people are listening, uh, our to our regular listeners, they they heard me go off on this with with Monus, but I I really have to get your perspective on it. But I feel like even the the broadcast itself is about as abysmal as it's ever been. I thought it was borderline unwatchable. I mean, the the draft like the draft itself. I mean, you have um, magicians and WWE wrestlers, and you know Wayne Newton after his one hundred ninety eighth plastic surgery operation saying Dylan Parhams from Mississippi um, it was I mean it, it was a joke and I just there the substance is was lacking like never before I mean growing it was growing up it was Paul Tagliabue got up there announced a pick maybe as a lieutenant from what the second round on and then boom there's Kuiper uh, breaking it down and and, and he didn't I mean, he didn't hold back. Like he pissed no. people off. Like it was. Well, he got he holds back a little bit. No, I'm saying I'm saying back series. then. Like oh even, yeah, back then. Yeah, okay. Yeah, yeah. Back then it was. You know, I mean, it, it's totally different now. Where I mean, he's he's tried to you know he'll, he'll still give the all sides best he can now, but but more than more than a substantive breakdown of the prospects and 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 trying to relay that honesty like you said they're talking to scouts so they should know all that a lot of that it's more of a entertainment production and you know they're going to different venues and it's just uh I don't know Bob I mean maybe I probably sound like an old man on you know yelling at the cloud and maybe people maybe people love it. You know maybe they do. Maybe I'm I'm wrong here but it was difficult to watch. So my question for you is you watch the draft is the vol is the volume up Are you hitting mute how, how are you consuming this?
2: Well, because of the chores I had to do each day of the draft, right? What the scouts said this year, I was, you know, writing the things about the bills and the Packers. So I would just tape it. And, um, and then when, when a pick a, when one of those two teams made a pick, then I'd go and go through all my files and all my transcripts and type in, you know, what I needed. And then I'd go back. But then at that point I could just zip through it. I would catch up with the tape. And I would just go to when the pick was announced, write it down. And then um, and I would listen to Mel. You know, I don't know Mel that well. I haven't talked to him in probably 20 years or so. But I've always, you know, he doesn't take himself that seriously. Mm-hmm. I, I think he's a modest guy. I think he does a, a lot of homework. I, I think he knows a lot of people. And he's not afraid. You know, he, he'll go to a certain point. And then he knows he, he has to pause and stop there because he's on a network that's into promotion and you know ratings. But of all those people, he's the one who gives you gives you the straight skinny as best he can, and I respect him for that.
1: Case in point, um, your scout's nightmare in the edge rusher uh post was Sam Williams, Ole Miss. Somebody maybe we may be getting, getting around to, you know, later it go along, but don't think it was a, probably wasn't a shock to you that the team that rolled the dice was Dallas Cowboys, Jerry Jones. They do this year in and year out. If he has the final say, he's going to be taking these chances, but on the broadcast uh, we talked about it, right? There's two different NFL network, ESPN. I mean, NFL network, they just, they just cut to commercial after the pick. They didn't even talk about it. ESPN talked about them, but they didn't, you you saw that broadcast. I did see it. And they didn't, they didn't touch much. on any of his off-the-field stuff when that's the story. I was flabbergasted when
2: he was selected at 556 by the Cowboys. In fact, one scout laughingly predicted that the Cowboys would be the one probably to take Sam Williams. They didn't say second round. But that was the most stunning pick of the whole draft to me. This guy, oh, I don't, I'm i not going to say to he was just a complete total character risk um, off the boards. Some people say you just can't do it. You know, you, Bob, you just can't do this player and he's got a lot of ability. And again, I was, I went, I went fast forwarded through my tape, got to his pick and then it was Sam Williams. I was stunned. And then I listened to all the discussion of him and there was not one, not one mention of anything off the field and that's the entire pick and everybody in every draft room around the country had the same reaction times 10 that i did and yet they wouldn't touch it on espn that's just a sign of what you're getting and that's just the way it is it's tv i mean i'm not complaining about it you asked me to explain the process and how mine differs from from that and that's that's it i was going to there's no way I, Sam Williams should have been in my top fifteen as an edge player. Maybe twelve, thirteen. I put him in the scouts' nightmare, and that was it. I mean, I could write
1: a whole story about him, but all right. <laughs> well, I, I I know our readers appreciate it, and if that's you know what to to each their own. If there's people out there who you know who want things like I said, kind of uh, doused in that. Purell, and you know, they don't really want the, the, the ugly truths and, and how these scouts maybe view these prospects. Um, but you know, there's other outlets, so uh, that I, that's why I'm going to cling to you in a dear life, Bob. You're you're in your part of go long, so you're not going anywhere. So, We're not allowing Kyler, it,
2: Tyler: The scouts sculpt, the are realist, right? Yeah, and because of them, I'm a realist. But everybody else is not realists. They deal in a fantasy land. And then I have to listen to people who listen to the fantasy land and want to tell me that that fantasy land means more than the realists. But it doesn't. It's just a, a false narrative. It's... Well, here's the it's other just, thing, too, I mean, though. it's fake news in a way, if you want yeah. to use that term, which is... I don't want to use it, but it's just, it's just junk out there. And I can't, I'm explaining it now for one of the first time in years, but I don't want to have to go through this again. I just believe this process is the only way to go for anybody who wants to get near the truth of this crazy, complicated thing called the draft.
1: And also I think it bears repeating. This is how, scouting departments how scouts how personnel execs how coaches are viewing these prospects it doesn't mean they're 100 correct or 100 wrong It mean because look if i'm building a team i don't want a team full of choir boys i'm taking a chance on some of these guys that these scouts are referring to as you know turds or rough around the edges or assholes or doing all this you know i want a few of those guys it's about kind of Taking on the right risk and making the right gambles, and that's part of building a roster. And like when you get into December and January, like shit. I mean, you need you need a few of those few of those kind of players. So um, that's part of it too. It's like all right, the, parsing through it, and maybe a scout thinks that a player is you don't touch this guy with a ten foot pole, and that player ends up being really really good. You probably have seen that over the years.
2: Oh, of course, yes. Yeah. You know, I try to frame these capsules on each player during the series. There's debates. All these teams before the combine, they spent three or four weeks with everybody in the draft room. And they got one big screen on and they got like 20, 25, sometimes 40 people in that room. And they're going to debate that player And the area scout who did that, who did the, the report on the player. He's going first. And then everybody else is going to be looking at this stuff on tape. And they're going to be chiming in and the GM's going to be listening to it all. The man who's running the show and that's how they do their board. But um, I try to frame these things to show the give and take. Mm-hmm. Nobody has the right answer. Right. There's differences of opinion. It's the human equation. It's unscientific. And I try to show, maybe I'll use a couple positive quotes. If you want to use the silly word, positive people that like the player. But then there's people all around the league who don't like the player. That's what scouting is. Every now and then there's a guy who I can't find anything negative about, and I'll point that out in there. But I try to sh- sh- tell the reader the nuance, the different uh, avenues, elements of a player, and how scouts can see those, those elements in different, different shades. And it's, it's an imperfect process
1: yeah yeah that's that's well said
2: and that's what i I mean it's hard there's scouts make tons of mistakes one guy said he made 644 when he quit counting remember that was a quote of a a quote to note and i've made all kinds of mistakes (laughs) i mean but nothing's perfect but there's no mistakes being made of omission on my part or lying on my part or anything intentional on my part i'm trying to give readers for 38 years the nitty-gritty of what goes on in these draft rooms i would think people would appreciate that but they do people they want the they want the sanitized saccharin version you use the word purify and if they're happy with that off nfl.com packers.com espn fine but i'm not going to stoop down to that level
1: yeah
2: for what i've done all these years is just Bring the truth, bring what actually is going on
1: to the best of my ability. Sorry for the rant, to you. amen, amen, Bob. Um, yeah, we could talk about this for hours. Yeah, okay. I, I'll say, I, I, I think that I know that it's appreciated and needed, and that's why. I believe there's a niche here for people to subscribe and and to read. And if, if people are listening to this for the first time, like what the hell are these guys talking about? I haven't read this series. Check it out, (laughs) please. Um, It's up at golontd.com. You need to be a paid subscriber to read it all in its entirety, but basically all nine and there's more than the nine parts. Bob had some other posts around the draft as well, but um, each part, has basically a a topper, a story, a full story on that position with an angle. Um, And then from there, it's what he's alluding to with the the rankings and with the scouts, how the scouts really rank everybody in this draft class. Uh,
2: Tyler, can I interject one thing? Please. Um, For the previous two years, I worked for the Athletic, and that was Dane Brugler, B-R-U-G-L-E-R, who's done the work for them. Dane's work ethic is – it's it is really unreal. Um, he's probably he, working. He's on exceptional. His
1: book. He's exceptional. You're
2: right. He's probably working on his book for next year. The background on he would he can probably know the top 200 right now, um, 150 anyway. Uh, his background, um, the number of starts at various positions, all the awards. I mean, he does a miraculous job for everyone who's interested in the draft. Um, he truly does. And he talks to a lot of people. He does a great job, and Dane is right in there with uh, Joel Buxbaum and Nolan
1: Naraki as well. Glad you got that in. Totally agree. So that was the draft, and you know, I'll say I'll say this too with. Um, And just like that, I lost my train of thought, Bob. So I apologize. Sometimes that happens when you have two kids and you're only on your third and a half coffee. And you hit pause on the Zoom to try to brainstorm and remember what you did and were thinking of. And um, it'll hit me. It'll hit me later on in the show. But all right, that's that's enough, I think, on uh, the draft coverage, how it comes together. Uh, perfectly articulated, Bob. Thank you for, for doing that. I think a lot of people wanted to hear that. I mean, cause uh, you're, you're kind of a mystery man. You know that? Like not, we don't, we don't hear you. We don't see you. I get this rare access to the mind of a, of a living legend. As he gives me a side eye <laughs> time to move on to your next area of expertise. And as readers, subscribers can tell Bob. Bob doesn't just cover the NFL draft. Obviously it's been at the Milwaukee journal Sentinel, the green Bay press Gazette. We met at the journal Sentinel and spin through that Packers lens. So each draft um, and I always look forward to it almost as much as your column that you, you write after the season on the Packers, you have a column kind of wrapping up the draft that doesn't do it justice. I mean, you know, taking a stance on, on the draft, which is not easy to do, you know, cause I, I think the, uh, Right, the the, the 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 ugly stepchild of the mock draft is the draft grades, and the grades are in high high abundance. Hours, minutes—no, not even minutes. It happens in real time. The grades are dropped in real time. The pick <laughs> happens, and boom, really? there's a grade. Oh yeah, oh yeah, there's instant grades. <laughs> you know, I think the grades come out before the pick, Bob. I think it's I think it's graded before that. <laughs> but I mean, that's why this 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 column was always impressive to me because you, you, you you've always taken a very sharp angle out of the NFL draft where it's tough nobody knows that these guys are going to be good bad you're right they're then down like it's it's difficult you know I have a hard time just you know putting opinions out there in the atmosphere on on these players I mean I mean you're talking to the scouts I'm not so maybe there's the answer right I mean I'm talking to a few and so I had the 32 thoughts on the 32 teams trying to take some more bigger picture angles on, on different things that different teams did. Uh, but your Packers column, uh, year in and year out, it, it, it tends to swat the Hornets nest. And uh, it's, it is, it, it does always kind of crack me up because, you know, people uh, on social media who might be railing against you, you know, that, that, that they don't want to hear any criticism about the team and the draft. It's like, Bob this, Bob that. Bob's not reading that. (laughs) You're not even seeing it. You don't care. You don't see it. So it's just like people are shouted into the atmosphere, which always kind of cracks me up. But, um, and Hey, and look, I, I thought the story that that you have up and go long was exceptional as always. Um, You show a side of these prospects that people aren't going to get elsewhere. And, I even disagreed on some points because because I I think that the GM in Green Bay has done a really, really good job. But you made me think you made everybody think. Isn't that what we want in America? Don't we want agreement and disagreement and some civil discourse on this all? Um, I don't know. That's a whole other conversation, but it's like the draft kind of brings out the worst of that, too. It's so tribal. Like, how dare you? How dare you, Bob McGinn, you know, besmirch this draft where. Like, let's have a conversation about it let's talk about it like that's what that's what the fun is right so anyways why for people who didn't read it like give them a little preview and, and if they want to read the whole the whole piece it's at golongtd.com
2: well first of all Tyler me, the only thing I read on the draft was your summary of the 32 teams okay so you mentioned these grades and you know I those pro- started to come up 25 years ago I guess I've never done any grading of drafts around the league. I never will. So I never read any of these things. I don't know how the Packer draft or anybody else's draft is perceived, rated, graded. I don't want to be influenced by any of that. And I read no draft coverage. So what you're getting is just little old me. And um, okay, so I didn't grade the draft. I just went through the picks from one to 11 with, with two numbers after chances to make a, a major contribution as a rookie. And then at, during their career, and it was marked a column on the top of the, uh, your, your site, right, Tyler, our site, right. it was column. Uh, I had not much opinion during the entire draft series, but in this case, it, it was a column. It's opinion. It's what I used to write at the Journal Sentinel uh, once a week or sometimes more. So that was it. And, you know, the Packers went into this thing. They're trying to win a Super Bowl, Tyler, right? Yeah, I think they, they kind of are. <laughs> and um, and they failed the last, well, 12 years with Rodgers or 11 years. I don't know. And they just lost Devontae Adams. And he was their second best player, maybe. No, I think I I would call him their, their best player this past season. Played his position better than anybody else. I definitely would argue that. And he's gone. And they could have kept him some way, somehow, but he's gone. And you got to replace him. And that was the theme of the column.
1: Realized I was on mute. Yes, <laughs> it, that was the theme. Um, I um, let's see. Where do we want to start with this, Bob? Let's start there with that. So, my, my my opinion on the on the matter would be: okay, you 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 gave your four time MVP quarterback the contract he wanted, the contract he probably deserved, right? Name the best player in the league, get all this money, okay. It's going to make things tougher elsewhere. Um, I, for for whatever reason, I mean, I, we were led to believe or all kind of believed him and Devontae Adams were joined at the hip, and, hey, if Rodgers was back, Adams would be back, and yippee yay, kaye, there you go. Um, no, it wasn't the case. <laughs> so, I mean, Devontae Adams, he wanted to get paid, too. He wanted to play with his college quarterback. He got to Vegas, and there he goes. He, he preferred that situation. So, you're Green Bay. I mean, it It sounds like, you know, they thought it was a possibility, but it still kind of caught them off guard. But when you still though, when you, when you pay a quarterback, that amount of money, I, I get it. Like he's kind of made his career off of these relationships with his receivers where, you know, him and Jordy Nelson are are seeing the same thing out there and it's, you know, they're not signaling, they're not audibly and they just react and it's bone back, shoulder fades, what have you. You know, had the same kind of rapport and then some with Devontae Adams and it it took a while to get to that point. I mean Jordy Nelson, it took two and a half, three years. Devontae Adams two and a half, three years. It it's a process. And I've talked to these receivers. It's not easy. It's a he's got his own playbook and his own way of operating. So that's the challenge. All right. I you're not gonna have that. You just aren't. I mean you 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 pay somebody this amount of money you can't pay everybody and It's, it's a matter of, I guess, simultaneously trying to build that with a receiver on the team in a quick fashion. He's going to have to do that. Also, he's just going to have to make everybody better. I mean, you pay somebody a lot of money. You want that somebody to lift and elevate those around him. So I, I think that's just the reality of it with the Packers maybe needing to win a different way. I mean, they kind of did last year. As you wrote, there weren't a heck of a lot of explosive plays outside of Devonta Adams for sure, but you're going to have to win with your running game. Aaron Jones, A.J. Dillon, um, an offensive line that got a heck of a lot better this draft. You're going to have to win with defense. And that's where I think the GM has done a pretty solid job. I think he's drafted some guys on defense that can intimidate, and they haven't had that. Over X amount of years. So they're just gonna have to win a different way. It's on Aaron Rodgers to embrace winning a different way. And I think that they can. I think it can work. Now, your point is they had an opportunity. Like you had two first round picks. You talked to these scouts. You knew that okay, there's you know, four or five receivers in that upper echelon. There's gonna be a run on these receivers. You better get your ass up there and grab one of them because there's a drop off. And they didn't react, they weren't aggressive. I get it. That's a fair criticism. I just feel like Aaron Rodgers is, is such a supreme talent that you put that on his shoulders. Okay, Christian Watson, Sammy Watkins, who when he's healthy, he still has some game left. Um you you have to make these guys better. Alan Lazard, Juwan Winfrey, like just make it work. I mean there were years I mean Tom Brady he's throwing to Rasheed Caldwell and Jabbar Gaffney. I mean it's it happens. It happens. And, um, you know, I, they, 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 maybe they're not done. Maybe they make a run at Odell Beckham Jr., but I, I don't think all is lost. And I just think it's on your best player to figure it out to an extent while also embracing winning a different kind of game. You know, they're they're going to have to run the ball more even than they were.
2: I just don't see that old line good enough to sustain a really great run game when, when people are are really thinking you're going to run. I just don't see that old line like that, Tyler. I mean, you know, we've talked about all these players, you know, Lucas Patrick's gone and Dennis Kelly's gone. We don't know about Bakhtiari Jenkins. He won't be there for the start of the season. Billy Turner, you know, kind of a serviceable guy. He's gone. So there's just all kinds of question marks on the offensive line. And to think you're going to make a living running the ball, I don't know. And on defense, I don't know. Let's not analyze the defense, you know. But all right. So Gutekunst and the Packers, they received uh, 22 and 53 from the Raiders for Adams, right? 22 and 53. He could have done anything he wanted in that first round, Tyler. He had 11 picks four in the first and second rounds, another one in the third. Could have done anything he wanted. He had ammo to go anywhere. And, yes, some people didn't think those receivers were worthy of the top five or six pick, but most people started thinking they were real good at right around 9, 10, 11, 12, 14, 15, 16 in there. And none of them went early. And I'm thinking to myself, is that draft? Whoa, this is going to break perfect for Green Bay. They're going to get either the big guy London or one of these three uh, smaller speedy guys who are playmakers, the classic acrobatic bounce around bang around guys and crickets. And you had other people trading up there. You had New Orleans going up for a lobby at 11. You had Detroit of all teams, which is nowhere even. They've never been even sniffed a super bowl. They're moving up there to 12 and they're not a complete operation. All right. Green Bay wasn't going to do Williams because he's coming off the ACL and they need help now. It's wide receiver now, right now. They're trying to win it all. And they're trying to keep the, the quarterback. I mean, Tyler, I heard everything you said about Rodgers and you're right. We saw what Tom Brady and many others in football have done with inferior receivers. And we've also seen what quarterbacks have done with great wide receivers. And we saw what won the Super Bowl this year with Stafford and Cooper Cup. And we saw the previous year, Brady, when he had all those guys making plays for him, Evans and uh, the, the slot. I can't even think of his name. Good Godwin from Penn State. All right. it Makes it a hell of a lot easier. And he had a chance to get a playmaker. And he sat on his hands. He thought about it in the beginning and he just. That's kind of his personality. He's not a guy who's the most creative, proactive, attack kind of a guy. And I don't really like doing that either. But when I see a hole, a void on the roster, like they have a wide receiver, and they got two picks for Adams, and you think the entire fan base would think, okay, now he's going to use that and replace Adams. That's why the trade was made. And then he sits on his hands. To me, that's not a real good start to a draft, and that's what I led. I led, um, I led the, the piece with. Now, the one thing I will regret, I think, on that first paragraph, I said it was. Uh, I can't remember. I used the word lackluster, but I wanted to use the word lackluster drafting record for Brian Gutekunst, All right, and I did not in, insert the word drafting because it came later on in the paragraph. Um, So we can talk about his career in Green Bay if you want, but that's where I was on that pick. And then we can talk about Christian Watson when he did react to wide receiver later, however you want to go, Tyler.
1: You're right. Because, you know, I think the, the roster is is, is full of free agents that have panned out and it's, it's kind of funny, you know, like Ted Thompson was like allergic to free agency and veterans. (laughs) He did, did didn't want anything to do with that time of year. That's when he sat on his hands. And Brian Gudikins yeah. comes up under Ted Thompson. Um, it's kind of flipped, right? Like he's, um, he's found Rasul Douglas and Devondre Campbell and go back before that, Preston Smith, Darius Smith, who's obviously moved on. He's found a lot of veterans who have kind of been able to keep this thing going, keep winning the division, keep putting themselves in a position to win the Super Bowl, get to that conference title game. I just don't know if the draft I, – I feel like the drafts – I'm not saying that they've been, you know, Ozzie Newsome-esque, Ted-esque, but I'm looking at them right now. They're, there's a lot of really good players in there, and I just think defensively that's been the focus, especially at the top of the draft, and now you're looking at a defense that's full of players 25 or younger, 26 or younger, who should be entering their primes – Did he hit on all of them? No, but he's hit on some, some premier positions, Sean Gary, Jair Alexander. Um, We'll see what happens with Eric Stokes, but Quay Walker, Devontae Wyatt. If you hit on those two and you, you throw in some of those Ted picks in there, Kenny Clark, it's a pretty damn good defense that can hold just about any offense in check in theory on paper. And to me, that's a pretty good reaction to losing Devontae Adams. It's okay. I get it. Like, yeah, they're, you go chase one of those those receivers. But I think his thinking is, all right, you know, and this is probably his personality. It's calmer. It's not going to be overly reactionary. It's, we just have to win a different way. Let's add a couple of these guys in the middle of the defense from historically one of the best college defenses ever in Georgia. And, and let's, let's, go this other direction. And to me, it's, it's not a bad, it's not a bad move. It's just like, it's it's making a different move at that card table than what everybody was expecting. Uh, I'm kind of going all over the place, but I know you mentioned Jordan love in the story too. This might be overthinking on my part, but even if he never plays it down for the Packers, I think that's a masterful pick because he knows how Aaron Rodgers thinks he knows it's going to piss him off. What happened after they took Jordan love Aaron Rodgers took his game to a different level. Um, Tom Brady did the same thing when they drafted Jimmy Garoppolo. I mean, his career, it it was kind of where Aaron Rodgers was, you know, it was still really good. Still pro bowl level, but not MVP level. Um, it's a, it's a game played by human beings who have feelings. Aaron Rodgers got some feelings, got a lot of them actually. And, uh, I, I, I mean, I, I think I, I wrote it at the time over and over again. Like Jordan Love, I mean, it's a premium position at, in a, in the first round, and he caught a lot of flack for it. You know, maybe he even gets something for Jordan Love if he wanted to trade him. Which I, I thought we were going to see this draft given this class, but even that, I mean, you, I, there, there's a factor there on, on a very human level where that that worked out. So I don't know. I think they're they're winning a lot of games for a reason. But we'll see how it plays out. You know, you could be right. I mean, maybe they get into these games, and Tampa Bay wants to engage in a shootout, and Green Bay just can't with these receivers. That could happen as well. But I think Green Bay's trying to maybe avoid that type of game. You know, maybe try to play that back alley, dark alley, rock 'em sock 'em kind of game. And now I think they've got some of the personalities defensively to do that. They didn't with Ted Thompson. My God, they get in some of those playoff games and it was, you know, you have too many choir boys out there. So that's what makes it fun. We don't know. I went back to T and uh, this morning
2: and I looked at my annual grades and one of those sections of the eight sections is personnel moves. And that really means the GM because in Green Bay, the GM is in charge of the personnel moves. So I all I can tell you is I do those grades within two or three weeks of the season. Everything's fresh in my mind. And it's a 12 month period. It's only from, you know, like a week after the one season ends until a week after until another, that the next one ends. So here were the grades on the personnel moves. 2018 D 2019 B plus 2020 D 2021 B plus. Now I'd, I do never, I never look back at what I gave the previous year for any player or any section. I do it strictly without looking back. So when I grade all these guys, I don't even know what Billy Turner got the year before. i never do that. I start fresh and never look back. So in this case, you got two D's and two B pluses. And I'll take that to the bank as the job he's done. I can't think of another way to, to evaluate him not certainly not out of emotion or out of knee jerk right now and that's what i got so you want to talk about the second round pick because that's the wide receiver situation right uh so they took christian watson tyler and I i still think it's a good note that's the 34th pick and he comes from fcs north dakota state and that's the first player drafted that high in Green Bay in 45 years from a non-big-time school. That was Ezra Johnson, good old Ezra, <laughs> who I covered and really liked. Uh, defensive end Morris Brown, Division Three. They discontinued football in 2002. He had a million sacks. He'd probably be the Packers' all-time sack, sack leader, but his first five years didn't count in the NFL uh sack uh sack dumb official count so christian watson okay kind of a panic move tyler to jump that far up from 53 to 53 to 34 and and give up your 15 pick 59 for a guy from there who doesn't look like a player who's going to provide immediate help and what he really is, is Marquez Valdez-Scantling, who took a lot of crap, I think, from the fandom. We've discussed that over the years. But that's what this guy is. He's a deep threat initially, just as Valdez-Scantling was. And Rogers is going to like that. He's going to be able to, those deep play action, the bootleg action when he's way takes six seconds to release it. And the guy can run down there 60 yards and run by safeties. That's what he's going to be able to do. He's just like Scantling, six, four. But in terms of being able to run routes or we we saw where MVS had his limitations, He can't go banging in there on third and six. I mean, he certainly couldn't do it the first couple of years. He did improve. His hands are somewhat shaky. The same with Watson. I mean, I don't know, but that's what he wanted. And. I don't know who in that organization he was number 11 and he didn't get any votes. It wasn't among the top nine vote getters in the draft series. And I heard the inflection and the voice and all this. And I presented all those quotes the morning after the pick and you can read all that. And then I talked to three more guys Sunday and Monday and you can read what they said, but why jump that quick? I mean, you could have waited till Watson went. If, in fact, you thought it was Watson, it could have been Pickens next. It could have been um, Alec Pierce. That's the other guy the Packers were interested in. He's a size guy. And maybe Watson doesn't go till 40 or 42. Well, then to move up from 53, you got to give less. And you tell me Watson's that much better than Pickens and uh, Pierce? I don't think he is. Those guys are more ready to play. Pickens is supremely talented. Yeah, he's coming off an ACL, but he played at the end of last year. He's doing all this acrobatic stuff, and he can run too, not great. And Pierce, I mean, again, he comes from a football playoff uh, CFP team this year in Cincinnati. I've seen him. I mean, he's strong. He looks like Jordy Nelson out there. He's faster, but not as agile, perhaps. But this guy's a tough kid, and he's a smart kid. So, I don't know. Pickens has got maturity issues. There's no question about it. He's got a low Wonderlic score, which is a bit, which is a concern at that position. He scored a 10. Watson scored a 38. I think Pierce was 29. But boy, to win right now, which I assume they're trying to do, Tyler, this is uh, they're trying to win pretty quick here. They've had two horrible disappointments at home in the playoffs. Uh, Pickens are. Pierce would have been a been the better pick than uh, Watson and you could have got him way down low in the draft. So, you know, people can criticize me for all this and I might be right. I might be wrong. Who knows? I'm just telling you, everything I'm talking about is based on what professional evaluators have told me, not what I'm, not what I'm seeing or what I saw. It's based on <laughs> what the pros are saying.
1: Yeah, the easy out is to just declare every draft triumphant victory, and there's a lot of that going on right now with all NFL teams. It's we got to. It's human nature, and that's maybe that's what I was trying to think about earlier. You know, me and Monus joke about it all the time. Monus jokes about it. You know, when he was with the Bills as you know second in command to uh, to Doug Whaley, he'd get up to the the podium. And have to say, we got our guy. You know, the, the, board, the board fell perfectly. We took the best available. The pick that he talks about is, uh, I was covered. I was at the Buffalo News at the time. Uh, right before I went to Bleacher Report, it would have been Rex's second draft, uh, 2016. Um, the Bills wanted Dak Prescott in the fourth round. They were going to take Dak Prescott. And Dallas took him, who, by the way, Jerry Jones was, you know, basically in tears that they had to take Dak Prescott because he wanted Paxton Lynch. And then he wanted Connor cook. And, you know, he just couldn't believe that they didn't just trade up and do everything in their power to get Paxton Lynch. And they settle on Dak Prescott. Um, but The bills are ready to take him. Instead, they take Cardell Jones and who went to the podium after that Jim Monis. And he said very nice things when, you know, you get him in an honest moment he probably would have said something else and been a little pissed off and said, Hey, we want a deck, but we didn't get them. Um, that's the thing. Like, you know, there's, there's what we're being told at these press conferences. There's what's being spewed on the national airwaves. And then there's reality and you're talking to scouts about these prospects and you're piecing together what you think is going to happen here. And I, I don't know what's going to happen. I don't, I, I, I think the track record of Brian Gudikins is is pretty damn good. I'm still going to put my faith that he knows what he's doing here, but we'll see, you know, if I'm going to be critical of something, I'm looking at the depth chart right now. Randall Cobb's still on the team. I know he's Aaron Rodgers' buddy, but um, you know, I was wrong. I mean, after he made that catch in Cincinnati, I think on our podcast, I was saying, well, Hey, that was worth it. You know, he just won him the game with this third down catch, but then you fast forward to the playoffs and he's a total non-event Um, I still remember that play you referenced late in the game. They had Randall Cobb split up. He's at the top of the screen and that cornerback is just squatting on him. He's just squatting. He knows he's not a threat to go deep. He's old. He's small. He's slow. He, you know, washed out prior he's done, you know, speed wise. And it was, it could have been a pick six. Easily, right? I think that was the play where they, they dropped a pick six on Aaron Rodgers. Yeah. yeah, It's one of those plays and those moments like, you know, you want somebody else out there striking fear in the defense. And I don't know why. He's, I mean, I mean, that's probably the agreement that was made, right, to keep Aaron Rodgers in town. He's talking like he's basically the GM. Like he's he talked her in the draft to Pat McAfee in a manner. It was. Very personnel ish. You know, I forget exactly what he said, but it was like he was sitting in the draft room. Um, so see how that plays out. Um, that's where I'd be a little critical. I mean, they kind of made this deal with Aaron Rodgers and God I I still would have taken the unlimited amount of picks that you could for the guy. Uh who knows what he would have fetched in a trade. Holy cow. But they're going for Super Bowls. You've got this MVP quarterback it's on him to kind of figure this out and make Christian Watson better, right? Hey, you know, that same situation in the playoffs, say they play San Francisco again, you put Watson out there and you call a play that sends him deep and you make it happen. We'll see, you know, one player we haven't touched on, it sounds like you're not very high on him, but third round last year, Amari Rogers, you got to get more out of him this year. Um, I don't think you see much in him, right? I mean, we talked about him over and over again, but it's a pretty high pick. And that is, talk about a player that you want to want to you know, quote unquote bang around in there on third and seven, like you said, that's what you're hoping to get out of somebody. And they, they still need that player. Cause I think Sammy Watkins can go deep. Christian Watson can go deep. Um, and Lazard, you know, he helps you in the run game as much as the pass game. Randall Cobb is probably shouldn't be on the team, but he is cause he's friends with the quarterback. You need that player that's going to go into some dark places on third down and, and make that catch consistently. Who is that on this team?
2: With that run game you're talking about, right, T? You think that quarterback's going to hand that ball off 52% of the time or something?
1: That's where it gets interesting. That's, (laughs) I mean, hey, he's got the autonomy to change the plays. Do anything he wants. So it's on him to lean into the strengths of the team. It really is.
2: They're going to play offense the way they did. Always did. I really believe it maybe a little tiny bit more running. And he's going to have to work with those receivers if he really wants to. Or as that guy said, he might bail out or turn temperamental.
1: Who knows? OTAs are a good time for that. Pardon? OTAs are a good time for that, aren't they? (laughs) You would think. Tyler, am I missing
2: something? Why isn't Rodgers at these OTAs? Why isn't
1: he, what, what was the, I don't know. Did he say something about that or did, did I might have missed something. Use him for some reason? Maybe that was just kind of part of the, the backdoor arrangement, right? Like <laughs> you want me to be around? I ain't showing up till, you know, day before training camp. Like I don't need, he does. He doesn't need it. He doesn't, the team needs it. Um, Gosh, it's, it was pretty wild, you know, working on this tight ends book, Bob. Blood and Guts out in October pre-order today on Amazon. Oh, awesome. I have got to be a salesman and it's <laughs> it'll be difficult, <laughs> but um you know, I, I talked to these coaches and players dating back to the 60s and you don't even have to go back to the 60s. Go back to the go back to the the 2000s. The good old days in the 2000s and you had two-a-days. You had OTAs. You had mini camps. You had so many opportunities to get so many reps and the, I think the quality of play benefited, um, you know, I was talking to Mike Malarkey. He's like, you know, we, we tackled every day. We were in full pads every day. Like it was just different. And that's kind of the agreement, big picture. The league had to make with the players to cut back on practices, cut back on padded stuff. And it, it probably did hurt the product. And then at the granular granular level with Aaron Rodgers, it was probably the agreement made with management when they're begging and pleading and on their knees and crying and trying to get Aaron Rodgers to return last summer to basically kind of let him do whatever he wants, right? Like, he doesn't want to be there, so he's not going to be there. we got to read between the lines on that, but I think with with this team and with so many new receivers, um, it would pay to try to get some chemistry with these guys. I I definitely agree with you there.
2: It doesn't anybody –
1: aren't the real Packer fans critical of Rogers
2: for this? I mean, I don't pay attention to any of this, but I would think it's just a selfish act. Every minute counts with these, with Watkins and these three undrafted guys and Lazard, if he's your number one and Rogers trying to get his game together. Every minute counts. Doesn't it? Isn't this just obvious? And why would they back off from not
1: being brutally
2: critical of this man?
1: I think last year it was. Last year it was uh, okay. They had that clunker against New Orleans, you know, in Jacksonville. It was god awful. But then they just kind of snapped their fingers and things got back to normal. And but that but you had Devontae Adams. He, yes, you had, you had this built-in relationship, and what we were talking about earlier with the the unspoken nonverbal communication. You don't you don't have that. So to answer your question, I don't know. I think there probably are. Fans that are like, you know, what the hell? But I think by and large, fans fans are fans, and they're they'd rather have Aaron Rodgers than not. (laughs) By any means, right? Like they'd rather have this quarterback on the quarterback's terms. Any means necessary. So he doesn't want to be a practice, so be it. If he's, you know, not following whatever protocols behind the scenes, so be it. And I don't I don't fault fans for thinking that way. I mean, they buy this guy's jersey, they root for him, and all of that, and he's going to get him, he's going to get him to the divisional round of the playoffs or the conference championship game. And then we'll see what happens from there. But um, I mean,
2: I was told the coach and the GM both just went vanilla and Pablum when asked about Rogers
1: participation in the offseason. Yeah. They're, they're not going to challenge. They don't want to piss him off. Yeah. They're not going to say anything.
2: Right. Weak. I mean, they're in charge. The quarterback's not in charge. If they want him there and he should be there. Why don't they say it?
1: Why are they just so feeble? I don't I understand, understand that. that. I'm out uh, to win, Tyler.
2: I'm I don't know. I mean, that's why I was
1: banging the table last off season, right? Like, why not? Your his value is so high. You've kind of, I mean, this is only what we can read and hear. I'm sure that they've. There's been more that's happened behind the scenes that we don't even know about. At what point? At what point do you just not tolerate it and you just throw your hands up and just um and just move on when you had that opportunity? We saw Russell Wilson got in a trade. What could Aaron Rodgers get? Ba- basically whatever you want. You know, maybe that's maybe I'm a lone wolf on on that take, but you know, Jim Monas, we've talked about it dozens of times over. And he's he just kind of laughs and nods his head. And he's been in that front office. He's been in that chair. And and he he lived with teams that didn't have good quarterbacks. And he just said, Tyler, you don't care. You do whatever Aaron Rodgers says and just Roll that ball out. I understand it. I get it. Um, Tyler, they're probably Tyler, they're I, terrified I, of the Dark Ages, right? They're terrified of the '70s and '80s Packers and falling into that into that world with got quarter and quarterback purgatory. I get all that, but I don't know. All good things come to an end at some point.
2: So, Tyler, I've tended to agree with you, your point on Rodgers constantly. He's had weapons. He's had these great second-round picks for his whole career. He's had a hell of a running back. The offensive line's been fine. But right now, boy, I just see this as dereliction of duty. Um, You let Adams out of town, and you get two high picks, and you come away with this depth chart right now, you come away with Watson, the Daubs kid who's he's got ability, but there's a lot of stuff makeup wise. Toure is a seventh round pick. I I like him as a seven. And you come away with Lazard, Watkins, and I want to hear your you covered Watkins. I want to hear what you say about him. Lazard, Watkins, Cobb, Rogers, the North Dakota State guy, and then Taylor and Winfrey and whatever. And you didn't do anything at tight end? Granted, it's not a great class on paper, but I guarantee me, I'll guarantee you there will be one or two of those tight ends who will become players. They could have had McBride in that second round, and had they not traded, they could have had him down at the bottom of the second, had they not given up that pick. McBride went 55. That guy's going to be a player. Mm. You use your scouting acumen. They think their scouting staff is great, and you pick a tight end. You don't just ignore the whole class. They got nothing to tight end. Tanya, we don't know when he's going to return. And to leave the quarterback with that, he is not going to take this sitting down, nor should he. This is a bad group. They paid him. They paid him what he wanted, though. He got his. He got his. But he didn't get Adams. And you're right. I hear you. He's got to make do. And if he was Brady or some of the other greats, you make do. And you're right. But they know this guy's personality, and is he going to make do and give to the team and suck it up and be a team guy? All that had to play in how they handle this draft and how they handle these picks. They're, they're really uh, – what did the scouts say? A very temperamental, passive-aggressive quarterback, and the guy could go anywhere this season. He, he truly could. They're trying to get to the Super Bowl and forget about who's right, who's wrong. They're trying to get there. They're they're riding the rapids with this quarterback situation, with what they've given him at the skill position, wide
1: receiver and tight end. And that's where Morris right, would done. say you ride the rapids. That's where he. A lot of teams would say you just roll with it. And if he wants to skip OTAs, so be it. If he wants to change the plays at the line of scrimmage, so be it. If if you have any issue whatsoever, what you just deal with it. All right,
2: Ty, and you got the star quarterback. And rolling the Rapids mean you move up in that first round to to help that quarterback, in his mind, replace Adams, who he is absolutely crushed that he lost. Is he the kind of guy who's going to say, oh, my, let me prove my greatness and win without Adams? No, he's going to be more pissed right now. He is pissed.
1: To answer your question, though, I'm a big Sammy Watkins guy. And what they did
2: in the second round again with Watson over Pickens and Pierce and that trade up, uh, we'll see when he, but he's not even going to be on the field with uh, Watson until end of July. It's ridiculous. Okay, Tyler, what's the deal on (laughs) Sammy? You covered him one full year and you've seen him a lot living there, right? All right. What's his deal? Well,
1: I think it will take a whole podcast episode, which we, (laughs) we absolutely can do. I am all ears. Probably the most fascinating human being. Forget football. Forget the job that I've ever talked to in my life. That's not hyperbole. That's not exaggeration. Um, I first got to know Sammy Watkins. Our very first conversation was in the corner of the Bills locker room in 2015, his second season, when he really wasn't getting the ball. He's dealing with injuries again. And literally shook hands, met him, introduced myself and it wasn't seconds later he is saying the bills need to get him the ball more he says the bills are making him look bad making themselves look bad and demands you know 10 targets a game I wrote that story it kind of detonated locally and beyond um (laughs) this next day in the locker room I'll never forget Marcus (laughs) Easley a fellow wide receiver is like Sammy where is he at point him out Sammy get him and uh Chris Jenkins, who's a, who, who is really good at his job, PR with the Bills, helped me out when I was on the beat, like Chris a lot. Um, I remember him kind of leading Sammy out. and He's just kind of nodding at me. Oh, we'll we'll figure this out. And a few weeks passed. Um, he got healthy. He got the ball. <laughs> After that, they, they force-fed it to him. I think Sammy was pretty happy about that. And we talked, and it, he was fine. Our relationship was good. Um, talked again when I was at Bleacher Report, uh, and he, he was in the Los, with the Los Angeles Rams just story then, but the the story that really, I think kind of reintroduced Sammy Watkins to the world. um, It was entitled what Sammy Watkins believes at Bleacher Report. And that's why he says the most interesting person I've ever talked to. It was, we went to some really strange, weird places um, and he opened up on what happened in Buffalo with his health, his partying, his drinking, his depression, he was in this really, really bad place. His brother was taken away, got involved um, with this RICO investigation with the feds, basically friends, family, everybody's tied up in this thing that affected him. It was bad. And I don't think anybody knew. Monus was, you know, the director of personnel. He had no clue. Doug Whaley, the GM had no clue. He's, they, they traded up for this guy. They, they're the ones who trade away a first round pick to get standing. And it, 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 the way he got out of that place was by kind of, reading and researching and falling down these YouTube rabbit holes when it comes to every religion imaginable. And that turned into like different dimensions and entities that are swirling about good and bad and entering our physical bodies and overtaking us and how these entities kind of control the universe and how, you know, etheric bodies and the astral realms. I mean, I had to research this stuff myself after we talked about it. Like astral realm in your dreams, where you kind of enter this place where you're, 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 you're dreaming about something, and then you put it into existence the next day. He said he did that in specific games. Um, it was unbelievable. He made me believe by the end of it. I, he made me think of moments in a high school basketball game. I'll never forget. Like my head, I got my head cut open. I'm bleeding all over the court. I left, got it stitched up, came back. And when I came back, it's it felt like I was, it was like an out of body thing. Like I was outside of my body and I know it sounds weird, but he, like he says he experiences that all the time. Like he said that, mo- that one specific moment that I had, and maybe other people have had out of body experiences. He can kind of make that happen with himself whenever he wants. Um, it was incredible. And Look, he's had a lot of injuries, a lot of ups, a heck of a lot of downs. When he's been on the field and he's been healthy, he's been productive. You know, I think that I, I think he still has a lot to give. Look what he did in the Super Bowl a couple years ago. Richard Sherman game on the line, beats him off the line, makes the play of the game. Uh, Aaron Rodgers is a better passer than the Lamar Jackson that, that he had in, in Baltimore. He'll be featured more than he was in Kansas City. had more opportunities, anyways um he's in a really good place you know, I wrote that story and people were really concerned about Sammy Watkins' mental well-being I got so many texts from people like is, is he okay like I just kept saying he, he's never been better than ever like if this is what he believes I mean, he's at peace he's smiling he's a family man he feels great about life uh, I think him and Aaron Rodgers they could hit it off on some of this stuff we know Aaron Rodgers is a, is a different personality I see this working out like and maybe that's maybe we're burying the lead here and that's why I'm a little more optimistic when it comes to his receiver core. I, I think Sammy Watkins as a, as a wide receiver, one or two will be just fine. As long as he's out there, I think he's going, I think he could have a, career. well, that's a big if, as
2: long as he's out there, he hasn't been out there for it's like five if.
1: years. It's a huge he can't if. practice.
2: He's hurt all the time. He missed all training camp last year. No doubt. Tyler, hey,
1: But I mean, is it worth a shot? You kind of think it is. I think so. Yeah. Yeah. I think so. I mean, they got him pretty cheap too. Um,
2: They did. Brian Guttekis has got to think about,
1: you know, beyond this year too. Are we so sure Aaron Rodgers is going to be the quarterback in 2023? We don't know. No, we're not sure about that. Mm -mm. Nope. So do you, I mean, do you absolutely go for broke? I get it. You know, Hey, your point would be, well, you already kind of made this deal with the quarterback then that the other decisions should follow suit, but I think that there's a needle to thread if you're the GM of the Packers and you can still compete now and still consider the long-term health of your roster by taking a linebacker and a D tackle that, that you really like out of Georgia. It's somewhat similar to what the Titans did, right? Like they traded AJ Brown and they could have kept him at 22 mil a year. If you, if that's what Brown said, he would have taken but if you did that in your Tennessee, then then you're kind of on the hook for Tannehill longer. You got to move that money down the line. You might have to do it with some other aging players. You don't want to do it with. The way they're looking at it is, all right, let's get Tannehill this year. Um, we've got Derrick Henry. We can compete for Super Bowl with this roster, but we're not going to just kill ourselves down the road. So I know it's an imperfect comparison, but you know these GMs got to think about beyond this year too. Uh, what do you say, no, we Bob? Didn't talk- Anything we didn't else? Talk
2: about- we didn't talk about Traylon Burks, but
1: Yeah, that's Green, another guy. Green Bay must
2: not have liked him because they could have well, I don't know. I don't I'm assuming they didn't try to trade up for that guy. Um he went eighteen after Tennessee moved up with the AJ Brown deal. Yeah. Um anything else you wanna to discuss, T to
1: My only final comment, Bob, would be uh let's do this again soon. This has been this has been overdue, man. I, I love talking to you like this again. This is this is a lot of fun. It was a good
2: podcast, eh, Tyler?
1: It was. we we'll, uh, at on the correspondent posts that we have at, at golongt.com, I'll I'll link to a lot of the stuff we talked about. I'll throw the Samuel Watkins story in there. Um, Bob's draft series, Bob's column. So make sure if you haven't read to go back and check that out it will be well worth your time hopefully well worth your subscription and again thank you to everybody for supporting go long it's an independent journalism we're totally 100 supported by you so we don't take it lightly your money will always be reinvested into the company i actually have a couple trips planned this off season for some long form stories um we have a unique and profile up right now went down to florida spent some time with him and he went to some pretty dark places himself on his life so uh Expect more of that as the off-season marches along. Bob, thank you so much. Thanks, Tyler. Let's do it soon. Thanks
2: for all you people out there in in radio land.
1: (laughs) (laughs) All righty. We'll catch you guys later.